everybody. Welcome to the Flashpoint Podcast. This week, we are walking you through the flames with a special Father's Day discussion. The gender evolution has caused a sweeping change in the roles of moms, but what about dad? A lot of people looked at us weird. Oh, so who wears a pants in a house? Fathers are stepping up. An increase in the amount of time that fathers spend taking care of children. I think it's really working well for the family system and relationships in general. We'll have experts weigh in on recent shifts in fatherhood roles, the benefits, and the emotional toll on men. New to fatherhood? There's a lab for that. A lot of times, guys, don't know what their role is. The innovative program at Abington Hospital Three ways it's helping fledgling fathers flourish. Flashpoint is sponsored by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Flashpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. For Mother's Day, we talked modern-day motherhood. So the focus for this weekend... Father's Day weekend is dad. In recent years, we've seen fathers pushing strollers, strapping babies on their chest, stepping up and becoming more hands-on as women take on leadership roles and are less likely to stay at home. It's understandable that the male role in the household is finally changing as well. Dads are no longer the stoic breadwinners now. He can be single or married, externally employed or stay at home, gay, straight, adoptive parent, step-parent, and more than capable to taking care of his kids, whether they're dealing with physical or psychological challenges. Dads, no matter the socioeconomic class, race, or ethnicity, they're all stepping up. How is fatherhood shifting? With me in the studio to discuss this flashpoint is Joe Alboyero. He's a licensed professional counselor who has experience working with families, couples, and individuals. We also have Dr. Pilar Gonalans. She is a professor of sociology at the University of Pennsylvania. She studies the uneven change in gender inequalities and the role of family processes. And last but not least, we have Craig Manning. He's a father who traveled across the world as his wife was deployed in the military. Can't wait to hear your story. Welcome to Flashpoint, everybody. Thank you. Dr. Gonalans, I want to start with you. Has there been a shift in fatherhood over the past few years? There definitely has been. And I would say that most of the change has been pretty quickly, like in the last 2000s, more or less. There was a gigantic change in mother's roles that happened mostly like 80s and 90s. And there hadn't been a lot of change in father's roles. And then it's only been recently when we've started to notice an increase in the amount of time that fathers spend taking care of children, an increase in the amount of time that they spend doing housework and sort of like participating in in household activities, an increase in the amount of stay-at-home fathers as well. So there's been there's been important changes and and in the depiction of the fathers we can also see that in the media in in how we it is more common nowadays to see fathers in caregiving roles in in both TV shows or also ads and also on the streets. Yeah, when you're walking down, you know, on Walnut Street where there's a lot of cafes, you see dads sitting there with their kid having lunch. 
Sometimes the mom isn't, isn't even there. With you, Joe, I mean, you work with a lot of families. Mm-hmm. Has there been issues in, in the household and when the as these roles shift? Are you dealing with that? I guess it's more of like transitions in itself. Right now, I'm kind of seeing a little bit more of a balance that's happening. A lot of like both mom and dad are, have, are working professionals, utilizing daycare, doing all stuff like that. But then at home, they kind of partner up a little bit more when it comes to their baby. Like they take shifts, they do all that. I think from a couple's therapy standpoint, I've been seeing a lot more uh, just connection, really, you know, because I think a lot of times when couples fight, they get into it. Nine times out of 10, they're more about, you don't know what it's like for me. You know, that's kind of their stance when they argue and, and you know, regardless of whatever topic it is. Now that they have these kind of equality and roles and everything that's happening in the home, they're able to kind of know what it's like for each other. You know, you know what it's like when the baby cries, you know what it's like to have a boss breathing down your neck, you know what it's like for me. And from there, I'm able to see a lot more connection that's happening between them two and a really good understanding. So I think it's really working well for the family system and relationships in general. Craig, please tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up traveling internationally as your wife was deployed. I'm originally from Jamaica. First, my mother and my sisters came over. And then later on, my dad and my other sister came over. So I already have that father figure filling the role of the mother mm-hmm. there. Growing up, I was able to see the different things that they did. And then and when you got married. I married my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Her first duty station was Germany. She went to Germany first, and I followed her after I finished school. And then so you went to be with her. I went to You be guys with... have children, and yes. then what? And we have children, and uh, she was still in the military, active duty Air Force. When duty calls, she has to go wherever they decide to send her. And since I'm not military, I have to make sure I can take care of the kids. So. And so you've been holding down the fort for how long? Ten years while she was active duty. So you held down. So you were basically like the main caretaker for your household for, for 10 years. For the most years. part. For the most part. Wow. Wow. And I'm going to come back to you. We'll pick back up on that story. But this is happening um, more and more. Because was that kind of story uncommon 20, 30 years ago? Well, it was uncommon back then, but it is still really uncommon nowadays. It's about 5% of families with young kids in the household where there is a stay-at-home father. Whereas there's like about 20%, which are like a stay-at-home mother. And then the rest are basically a dual learner, sort of like couples or single parents. So it, it was very uncommon now um, before. It is pretty uncommon still nowadays, but it is more frequent and it is increasingly more common. Well, I see a lot more single dads, mm-hmm. a lot more with, with the co-parenting situation. Is this like a, a trend that you think will be content- continuing? For sure. And I think that the employment, uh, the shifts in sort of like the employment opportunities of men and women are also influencing a lot of these shifts. For instance, there are about like 2.5 million of like men, fathers who are the main caretakers of their kids. And about a third of them are saying that they are doing that because they cannot find jobs. Another third of them, so like the same proportion, are actually saying that they are doing it because they want to be the, the primary caregiver. When you look at the same numbers in the 80s, there were fewer of them, but none of them were saying that they were doing it because they wanted to be the primary caregiver. So nowadays you have like an increasing share who are saying, I actually want to be with my kids. This is what I want to do. Exactly. And is there like, if you think mentally, are there still guys who still have this traditional old school view of 
fatherhood and and that causes conflict there's definitely this sense of this uh, masculinity thing attached to it being the breadwinner and going out there and all that stuff and a lot of times because of this uh, it was role modeled by their father so I think uh, one of the one of the things that we've men fall into trouble is that there's automatic assumption that they're going to be the breadwinner in the house without even talking about it you know of the kind of shy away from this idea of, of talking about how we're going to raise our kids and what role am I going to play before they even get into it that definitely does cause conflict and kind of mentioned earlier too it does create this kind of disconnect that happens in the relationship. A lot of times, even prior to what I did now, I did in-home family therapy. And when I did that, we almost saw it as a bonus to have the dad involved because he was working so many hours. So definitely kind of missed out when it came to having a relationship with the family, with the child. And then you would see the child when they need help with their homework or any emotional need whatsoever, they go right to mom. And the dad would be sitting right there, be like, what about me? What about me? You know, I'm sitting here too. And the child will just be like, yeah, but I kind of want mom to do this. They've They're so done used that. to it. Yeah, yeah. they've done it. And then, the, and then now the, the work is how do we get dad to have a, to build a relationship with the child? Yeah, and you had no problems with that, yeah. Craig. I mean, <laughs> you graduated. I got to point out this. Oh, you yeah. graduated <laughs> university with your daughter. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had these bonds with your kids. Do you think that that came from you being the main caregiver for 10 years? It's just our family dynamic. I try to have a bond with my kids. They're my life. Mm-hmm. And they're the next generation, as we say in the islands. They're going to carry. They're the name carriers for me. And how many kids do you have? I have four. Twenty-three. My uh, second is nineteen. Third one is fifteen, and my youngest is five. I, I think that's so wonderful. He obviously, you and your wife have a very open mind, and it seems like right. everything is kind of shared equally. When you talk about the impact on fatherhood with these changing family structures, you got a lot of divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, and many women are having kids outside of that traditional family structure. You have same sex marriage. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff going on what, what, as far as what families look like. There is a lot more diversity in terms of family forums, sort of like marital status, cohabiting or like married. So what that means is that certain prescriptions about roles of what is expected about being a father or being a mother is a lot more diffuse and it's a lot more unclear and open to negotiation. Uh, we've seen a period of a lot of convulsion and a lot of tension within family that has to do with these changes in the roles of motherhood and also of fatherhood. And uh, some people are saying um, that what we're witnessing is a kind of a gender revolution that has two stages. One that um, tends to produce a lot of family conflict and a lot of family tension, which is sort of like the initial change of um, women getting access to employment, becoming economically independent, uh, bargaining stronger within the family to have like better um, relations uh, and more satisfactory relations overall. So that produced a lot of family tension. It's also the decades of high divorce, et cetera, et cetera. And what we're seeing now is potentially maybe the beginning stages of the second stage of the gender revolution, where by seeing shifts in the roles of fathers, not just mothers, um, we have a return to uh, a little bit more uh, positive family relations, uh, what you were uh, suggesting about. Understanding. Common understanding, because we both know about what it is to be working. We both know what it is, uh, what it is about to be taking care of a young kid who who isn't sleeping well, who isn't eating, eating well, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And that's an interesting look, I mean, because when you have couples negotiate early on, mm-hmm. like what the roles will be, is that the best way to do it? To say, look, we're going to write down everything we need done. We're going to split it up on who does best versus 
of gender roles. Is that is that what you're seeing now? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the the powers of premarital counseling is huge when it comes to that. You know, because I um and obviously I wouldn't tell anybody don't shy away from that, regardless of whatever's going on in your in your relationship. You know, because it definitely pr- promotes a platform to start talking about stuff like that. Um, so it, them talking out definitely, but also leave room for flexibility because especially with your first child, there's a lot of trial and error on this. So make sure definitely that you are definitely are working on communicating and what's it like, you know, a lot of times too, when I talk with couples that do have kids, you know, I, I ask them, I said, what do you do to connect? A lot of, a lot of answers I get is, well, you know, we go to the park with the family, with the kids and stuff like that. I'm like, that's great. That's cool. But what do you do as, you know, husband and wife? And I said, you make sure you still work on your marriage. That's insanely important when it comes to having a child. You need the framework in order to problem solve together uh, because it's easy to lose track of that. And so, Craig, yes, I know it sounds like, you know, flowers and rainbows and all of that stuff. I mean, there had to be some tough moments in there where some negotiations had to go down where oh, over this stuff because it had to be hard for children. This year we celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. <laughs> We've had many struggles, but one of the main thing we try to do is, one, try not to go to bed angry. That's so sweet, you know, Craig. I'm not saying we never do that. <laughs> you know, we have our days where it's like, let's just sleep on this and come back to it, you know, with fresh eyes. Or we'll we'll need to talk to someone else besides ourselves. We'll go to a family member. Is your wife uh, Jamaican as well? No, she's actually Puerto Rican. So it's two different cultures mixing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was wondering about yes, that. Yeah. Yes. The main ingredient, I think, is communication. You have to be able to communicate. That's. Did that's... you ever feel like because you're the husband that you should be doing certain things and that she should be doing certain things? Yes. And sometimes... Uh, the main fact that she was the active duty member in the military and I was a dependent spouse, a lot of people looked at us weird. Where they go, oh, so your wife is a military <laughs> member? Oh, so who wears a pants in a house? <laughs> <laughs> and how did you react to that? I go, does it really matter? And then I, we wear the same pants or I sw- we switch back and forth. It's none of you. We wear a kilt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, it doesn't but matter. But how are you able to keep your mind open? Because there are men who struggle with this. I'll admit it's difficult, but I'm like this. My most important thing in my life is my family. How is make sure my family is okay? Women are continuing to push for this, this whole gender equality thing. Mm-hmm. How are the kids? Are there any stats on how kids are impacted on this? I mean, Craig saw his dad take on... Um, a different form of a caretaker. And so he's more comfortable probably than some other folks would have been if they're seeing their dad not do that. That's probably right. At the same time, I think that we, uh, the sort of like roles and ideas and behaviors that we adopt when we are adults are only in a small part what we saw in our household. Like we all change a lot. If we think about like our own families, we probably have become pretty different people from what our parents were. So I think there's a lot of hope for changes and movements towards uh, gender equality, but that doesn't necessarily come out of growing up in an egalitarian family. I think that there's a lot of change that can happen outside of that. We all Or learn. you may not have liked it. You may have seen growing up in a household where your dad was cracking the whip on everybody or right. your mom was the whip cracker and you decided, you know what, I don't want I don't want to be that type of, you know, wife or whatever, or I don't want to be that type of husband. Yeah, so there was, uh, I mean, this reminds me, there was a very interesting study that was published recently uh, by Kathleen Gerson, who was basically interviewing the children of the revolution, people in their 20s nowadays, basically, who grew up in this period where their families were 
going through these drastic changes. Many of their parents divorced. Many of their parents sort of like struggled over changes of roles, etc., etc. And what she's finding is that a lot of them are basically seeing a lot of value in fathers and mothers to have economic independence and to have yeah. independence life and not having all their lives sort of like focused on the family and on growing kids. Everyone appreciates that. Interesting. Yeah. And what we see as well is that the preferred family type of both young men and women seem to be pretty consistent. They both want to sort of like balance uh, work and family in a egalitarian form with their partners. What she found that's interesting is that even though these young um, people are share their ideal view of a family, sort of like in balancing work and family, there is a strong gender divergence in what is their fallback. And what would that be? The women are saying, well, if I cannot have an egalitarian, I prefer to stay basically single. And the men are saying, well, if I cannot have an egalitarian, I would have a neo-traditional where I'm the main earner and, and the mother or my female partner is sort of like a part time or like shifts back and forth from employment, unemployment. Because that means that we haven't fully shifted into that second phase. Mm-hmm. Joe, will this sort of become the new way now that fatherhood is actually changing visibly? Will it continue to change? I definitely see more of a pattern with it, um, you know, even more of a cultural shift about it, too, because a lot of people that come from strict cultural backgrounds like myself and father, my family's from El uh, Salvador. Um, mom's, mom was a New Yorker, so I'm biracial. I know definitely kind of seeing that in the shift, even in my family as well, you know, just kind of more of the dad at home or um, kind of role modeling more of just kind of the house chores itself as, as well. Um, but I think from from the a family structural standpoint, I'm definitely seeing the relationship build from that. Um, again, going back to that, because it's really, really important, you know, from, from what I'm seeing from that view. People are just being really more outspoken about what their experience is like in the family system as well. You know, just kind of developing from there, too. So I think it's, it, I'm definitely seeing that. And so, Craig, you you were like, you were like Legion. You were like an, an futuristic dad. <laughs> Hopefully it's not all in my head. But I know <laughs> yeah. my wife would say, yeah, she'll, she'll <laughs> definitely agree with me that um, we share and we're open with each other. We have our issues where we have to work on it, but those are some of the main points that we have to do is communicate and be able to listen to each other. Because this is Flashpoint, we do have to wrap this up. But I, I just want to talk about, as you know, we, we've seen a lot of big changes, I mean, over the past few years. What do you think the next phase of this evolution will be? And do you think men will be forced into this role or will they come willingly? I don't think they come willingly. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we're basically seeing now is that men are finally picking up some of the slack, basically because women are not willing to bear men who are not picking the slack. And that's kind of like a kind of a strong incentive for men to change. Had I not that been the case, men wouldn't be changing. It is easier to live a life where you can be more selfish and like focus about your employment and not take care about like the basic needs of your family members. It's just easier to live that way. Changing the roles of fathers involves giving up some of the, that comfort and some of that power, and that often doesn't come willingly. So I think that it's great some people who are like making the voluntary decision, but the big change is is, is not easy. Kicking and screaming, you can't get anybody to, to settle down <laughs> with you unless you agree to do some of this work. I think willingly a little bit too. You know, just just because um, I think men are starting to realize a little bit um, how much of a loss that they're having in the relationship with their mm. kids. Yeah. Um, you know, when they come home after a long day and working hard, you know, they almost have this sense of isolation that they have in the family dynamic, kind of like an outsider feel. 
Um, and I think they're starting to realize a little bit more that uh, at the cost that they're having living that lifestyle. So I think that um, I think a shift is happening a little bit more and they're starting to come to realize on that. Yeah, because you see uh, grandma gets all the calls. Exactly. And granddad <laughs> doesn't get the calls. Right. That's Dads true. are like, yeah. call me, too. <laughs> and so, Craig, what do, you, what do you have to say and your advice to dads? I seriously believe most of the guys are going to be kicking and screaming. It's a state of mind that you have to realize you can't fight it. You have to go this way. Because if you don't, one that's going to lose out, not only just your kids, but you're going to lose out on a lot. Because you know what? One of the, my greatest memories coming home from work one night and my daughter, my oldest, she stayed up just so that she could come and give me a hug. And that day was the worst day I've ever had at work. I needed that hug so bad. And when she gave me that hug... Everything was all right with the world. Be open. Your kids will be open with you. That is an amazing story. And I just want to say thank you and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I know it's um, Father's Day weekend. So thank you so much to Joe Alavero. We also have uh, Dr. Pilar Gonalans. And finally, to Craig Manning for being on Flashpoint and sharing and talking about this issue in the news. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you very much. Next up, dads supporting dads. The stereotype is men won't ask for help. I'll tell you three ways an innovative program at Abington Hospital is supporting the newest members to the Fatherhood Club. We'll be right back. This is the Flashpoint Podcast, the place where we dig into the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. And new babies, the idea of them, they're joyful to first-time dads, a fresh life, all the excitement, the possibilities. But it's also pretty scary, the burping, the diaper changing, all the new demands and responsibilities. And how about the impact on work, relationships, and so much more? Recently, Dad Lab, an innovative peer mentoring community at Abington Hospital, made headlines for offering a space for men new dads to share pains and joys of fatherhood among other men with me in the studio to talk about this project and his latest effort is dr jay Cherney, a psychologist and director of dad lab he has more than 30 years of experience as a clinician mediator and facilitator he's also the father of two daughters and a brand new granddad jay welcome to the kyw studios and to flashpoint thank you very much so let's back it on up. You founded okay. Dad Lab back mm-hmm. in 2016. Yep. Why did you think this was necessary? We, we saw that there's a lot of support and, and uh, programs for new moms, but not so much for new dads. Now, the idea, the stereotype is men won't ask for help and think they need to know it all. But I knew from my own experience that men do need support and learning and help, but they, they need a, a place to, a safe place to come and open up and talk. So Dad Lab was designed as a peer mentoring community where men could talk about their experiences because uh, parenting, fatherhood and parenting in general, is a huge series of experiments. Nobody knows how to do it really well in the beginning. It takes lots of practice, successes and failures, and talking about that together uh, I thought would be one of the best ways to support yeah. new dads. And so why do you think dads, I mean, you said it's hard. It's, it's not It's not easy. It's an experiment. And why do you think dads need this type of support? You know, I mean, because people think dads don't do much, but that's not true. Right. Well, part of it is we want to encourage dads to be more involved early on. There's a lot of research that shows that when dads are more involved early on, the 
positive impact on the baby and on the family is long-term. Those ripples go out a long way. So a lot of times guys don't know what their role is. They don't know how to bond. The mom is, of course, bonding physically with the baby. Dads can feel a little bit left out. So we wanted to have a place to come and encourage dads to do that with other dads. So y'all made the news recently. Y'all made the news a few times um, talking about Dad Lab. These dads come in here, some of them have babies with them. Mm -hmm. Some of them are expecting babies. Right. And so what do you teach them? It's not something that I directly teach. It's, it's really setting up a conversation. So a regular dad lab meeting involves a bunch of guys, many who bring their new babies, and who I call pre-dad, uh, guys who are expecting. So the, the pre-dads so often are on the edge of their seat looking at all this fathering going on and thinking, <laughs> My God, wow, can I do this? I, I don't know if I can do this. But they get into, into the conversation. The, the new dads are telling their stories and have been on the other side of that great divide not long before. So they can tell that pre-dad, I was just there. I thought I couldn't do it either, but I'm doing it. So give me a, a list of some of the topics that you guys talk about. A bunch of different things. Uh, one, of the, one of the big ones is sleep deprivation and how to handle the, the frustration that comes with that sleep deprivation. One of the guys posted on our Facebook page an article he read called The 100 Days of Darkness, which is the first 100 days of having a baby. There's not much sleep going on. That shortens everybody's fuse. And so just having that sharing of experiences of, yeah, I, I lost it. You know, I, I, I couldn't handle it anymore. I had, to, I had to walk out. Normalizes it. It makes it okay to be frustrated and to not know what you're doing. Bonding with babies is another big topic. Dad Lab starts off with an introductory workshop called Becoming Dads and Moms. We included the moms because we thought it was important for, for the couple to be there. In that workshop, uh, we talk about the serve and return interaction. And I show a video that demonstrates it. So a uh, baby at a few months old starts to, you know, is making sounds and, and expressions and movements. And when the parent mimics those expressions and sounds, the baby imitates back. And it's this back and forth, and it's really the first conversation in the, in, between a, a dad and a baby. And that is a fantastic experience. It's so exciting to see that responsiveness. And it's really important in building the relationship and actually in building the brain of that baby. The more the baby is in that kind of responsive state, the more the, the brain cells and, and neurons connect. A lot of dads don't know this stuff. That's right. That's, I didn't know this. 32 years ago when I became a dad, I didn't know any about this. So <laughs> you raised two daughters. Yep. And you just, I guess, fumbled your way through like most people do? Yeah. Well, as a psychologist, I had a little more pressure. You know, there's this idea that, okay, here's this baby. She's perfect now. But the parents are there to mess things up, right? And psychologists are supposed to have it all together, right? Well, not quite. And when dads come in, what are the concerns that they raise the most? Am I messing things up? Am I, am I doing a, a, a good job? They want to do a good job, and, but they don't know exactly how. They, there's also a big impact on the relationship between the parents. Mm. Uh, all that stress, all that pressure. And I remember feeling myself at, at first, like, gee, I'm not as important now. You know, my wife and my daughter were, were bonding and breastfeeding, and, and I felt a little on the outs. I think a lot of guys feel that. How do you overcome that? Well, part of the, you know, one of the things that a lot of guys have said is that they took that sense of isolation and said, okay, I'm going to take care of my wife even more, and I'm going to support her and ask what I can do for her. And that helps them feel important and feel involved. And why right. is it important to have other men there? It's the sharing of experiences 
and the willingness to talk about fears and doubts. That's not typical for men. Of course, yeah, the stereotype is guys get together, they're having some beers, they're talking about football, but this is very different. Actually, I, I believe that when guys get over that hump of, of fear and uncertainty, they love to to have that openness and to be able to share. And some of the new dads, they bring the baby to yes. dad lab and yes. that's their first time. And their first time out going with the by, baby. The, by themselves. And they feel fantastic. It's, it's so proud. It's such a proud moment to know that they're in charge of this of this baby. So yep. let's talk about changing fatherhood because when you, you said that there was no resource like this when you became a dad, do you see dad shifting? There's pressure on dads to step up. This generation espouses equality. They, they aim to have equal responsibility at home, but they don't quite get there. There's still some of those imbalances that exist. Just contrasting with a few a couple of generations ago, like my dad, th- there was only one role for a dad in the, in the 50s, provider, and that was the main thing. Today, there's many, many more options. Yeah, and, you know, I know that there's a lot of things that dads and or moms are helpless to deal with. And how does, you know, having this support group, this mentoring peer group here, help dads deal with those types of things? You know, you're caring for this baby. There's only a few different needs that baby has, the new baby. Many times you satisfy all those needs and they're still crying. They're tired. They're overtired. They can't go to sleep. And no matter what you do, you can't soothe that baby. That hits people very deep because it's helplessness. So just knowing that other people feel just as helpless and frustrated makes a difference. Let's talk about results because you, you've had a couple of years now of dad labs. Talk about a shift that you've seen from the, oh my God, I know I don't know what I'm doing to these expert dads yeah. juggling babies and all this kind yeah. of stuff. When people leave the program and some of the guys have stayed for about a year, they have a, a sense of confidence that they never had before as a man because they had so many doubts going in that they thought they couldn't handle this and learning to handle it with the support of other people and to see that baby start to flourish, it, it makes them feel really proud. This is uh, something that Abington Hospital sponsors, but you also need donations. Yes, we do. We don't charge for Dad Lab. So we, we need those donations to come in to keep this very valuable program going. So, it, so do you have to have the baby in Abington Hospital to no, go there? not at all. Anybody is eligible to come to Dad Lab. If they can, if they can make it to Abington, they're uh, welcome. Tell us where people, if folks want to be a part of Dad Lab, right. if they want to donate, where, where can people right. um, find it? On, on the website of Abington Hospital, we have a Facebook page uh, called Dad Lab. There's two. There's Dad Lab and Dad Lab Philly. And the link to donate is also on that on those two Facebook pages. Check out Dad Lab on Facebook. You can search Dad Lab or Dad Lab Philly. Find the donation button. Mm-hmm. Also, find out when the next Dad Lab meeting is right. and, and show up. So thank you so much to Dr. Jay Cherney director um, and creator of Dad Lab at Abington Hospital. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next up, higher ed for fatherhood. Talk about discipline and structure, communication, co-parenting. The man behind a company raising better fathers. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we changed some things up. Let me know how you like the new sound to our podcast. Also, we need your help. Please, please, please subscribe. You can use iTunes, and if you have an Android, you can use the Radio.com app and search Flashpoint KYW. We also have a new Twitter account. Yay! It's called Flashpoint Show. You can follow us. We'll follow you back. And remember to leave a review for the podcast. We love, love, love feedback. Now back to the show. Thanks, all. 
This is the Flashpoint Podcast, and I'm Cherry Gregg. We here at KYW are all about community, and this week we have a male parenting education company that is breaking the cycle and stereotype of fathers around the world. Daddy University Incorporated is raising the world's fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, and partners one father at a time. With us in studio is co-founder and CEO, Joel Austin. <laughs> Welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Yes. Joel, I have to shout Joel out because Joel was one of our Philadelphia Game Changers of yeah. Black History Month. All right. All and right. you were changing the game then. You're still doing it. And for folks who've been living under a rock for the past few years and have not heard of Daddy University, lay it all out for us. What is it that you do? Daddy University is the first and the oldest male parenting company in the United States of America. Started here in Philadelphia. We teach fathers how to become better fathers. That means everything from talking about every single situation, types of support, how to be able to help them out, legal rights. We have cooking classes. We have two different classes in Philadelphia that run eight months out of the year. Mm. We also do big events throughout the year to make sure the family's focused. We talk about discipline and structure, communication, co-parenting, everything you need to know to be able to do this job right. Yeah, you even teach men how to do their daughter's hair. You have to teach men how to do their daughter's hair. And so let's take a rewind. When did you start it and why did you start Daddy University? 2003, we started Daddy University. Long story short, I went to a class where my second son was born. My first son went to a big brother's, big sister's class. It was really cute. They taught him how to help his parents out, how to help him be able to know about certain things around the house. And I found myself sitting in class taking notes. And as on the way home, I thought to myself, I'm now the only person in the house, supposed to be the head of the household, who has not been taught anything about raising infants and kids. And that was wrong. Wow. And so you decided, if you didn't know. If I didn't know, I found out my friends didn't know, my daddy didn't know, and a lot of Your people daddy didn't, know. didn't know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Diapers this way, that way. And it was time. It's And it's been time. People have been more empowered. You have households who both of them are juggling the exact same thing. And you have men that are so, totally unafraid of strollers, totally unafraid of backpacks. We wear them on the back. We wear kids on the front, in our pockets if we could. Tell me a story of a man who who went through your daddy university and came out realizing how much he didn't know and how much better he is because of it. There are so many stories. Uh, I have stories of men that saying that they probably would have let their life go if it wasn't for the program. I have stories saying that they were literally ready to leave their children if it wasn't for the program. They were fighting up against things that they couldn't understand. Um, one of my greatest is someone who is 10 times more involved now because of the program, because of being able to air things out. Um, someone that wasn't sure how to connect with his own children because mm. of time. He was only, he only had like two days and was worried that that wasn't enough. So part of it was if you have 24 hours or 48 hours, it doesn't matter. You can really, really impact the life of a child with that. You have to build that relationship ongoing. You have to text. You have to call. You have to write letters. You have to send emojis. You have to do everything to maintain that relationship. Yeah. I want to go in and talk about mm. black fathers. Okay. Because, you know, there had been this stigma that the most black fathers are not in their children's lives. It's absolutely not true. Um, when you look at the statistics, they talk about 24 million, specifically closer to the African-American side, grow wake up every morning without a father in a home. And that statistic is pretty true. It does not say how many are still involved, though. You can wake up without your father in the home, but most of us are w waking up, going to your house and taking you to school and then picking you up from school. Like, there's still, 
involvement, involvement, involvement. That breaks the statistics when it comes to African-American males. Yeah. And I know that I see so many dads out now, like you said, with the strollers at the football games. The ones at Um, the the ones at the doing their daughter's hair class are the ones that are all tatted up. They got motorcycle jackets on. But guess what? They love their booze. Yeah. And so you think about, you know, the future of fatherhood. How do Mm -hmm. you see it going? We look at this whole equality thing, Mm -hmm. gender equality. That means if women's doing more, right. men have to do more. Well, as far as gender equality goes, I have to teach my six boys how to cook, how to clean, how to wash, how to do this and how to do that. And I have to teach them how to care for babies and how yes. to do things. Because of their ages and their teenagers, it's most likely they won't be able to find a woman that makes biscuits from scratch all day long sitting in one place. They're going to find <laughs> someone who works as much as them, who does as much as them. And he's going to be able to work and help maintain a home. And that's how the relationships are going. So this is a time, June is a month, where we get to celebrate fathers. And so (laughs) tell me what you got going on at Daddy University during the month of June. June 30th, we have the National Fatherhood and Young Men's Conference. We have a conference for fathers that are learning a measure of a man, finance, cooking, doing girls' hair. We have young men's conference who are learning measure of a man as well, who are learning all different types of being able to be goal setters. I mean, students and athletes at the same time. And then we have a class on school is the new money. Staying in school and thriving in school can get you more money than even being a pro athlete. An engineer over time makes more than an athlete. Yeah, entrepreneur, all those things. All those things. That conference is at the Community College of Philadelphia. Where can people get tickets? At www.daddyuniv.com. Our hope is that mothers are engaged and educated, and my dads are engaged and educated equally, and we have better children. Wonderful. So Daddy UNIV. Or you can call us at 610-579-DADS. I love (laughs) dads. Absolutely love it. So Joel Austin, CEO, founder of Daddy University Incorporated. Thank you so much for game changer. Yes, game changer. Thank you so much for coming uh, in the KYW studios and appearing on Flashpoint. We appreciate you and happy Father's Day. I'm always honored. Thank you, Sharon. That's it for the Flashpoint podcast. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. My handle is Cherry Greg. You can also subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast by using the Radio.com app, iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever platform you use to get your pods by searching Flashpoint KYW. Please let us know what you think by leaving a review, or you can tag us on social media. Again, our handle is Flashpoint Show. If there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. As the late great Reverend Billy Graham once said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in society. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Until next week, happy Father's Day and thanks for listening.